Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Lindsay Ostrom with me. Lindsay is the co-founder of Pinch of Yum and Food Blogger Pro. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, uh, Lindsay. Um, Tell our audience, what is Pinch of Yum? Pinch of Yum is uh, a food blog um, that I started about four years ago, and it started as just a fun hobby um, where I would just share recipes and kind of talk about things I was making and take pictures of it, and it's kind of grown into um, a business blog, not a business blog, but like a food blog with a business element. Um, my husband now has been writing income reports and has been working on the monetization side of the site. And so we've been able to um, kind of grow it into a business, even though it is itself a food blog. So when you started it back in 2010, what were your goals? Uh, you mentioned that it was just a hobby. So you really had no um, um, ambitions to turn it into a business at that point? No, not at all. I mean, I didn't know when we started out, I didn't even know that it was possible to like make money online. And I remember Bjork um, talking to me about some other bloggers he was following and about how they were doing these income reports and kind of saying, you know, could I give, do you think we could give it a try with, with pinch of yum? And I was just blown away. And I just thought, what in the world? This is so weird that people are making money online and from a blog. And so it's just really funny um, that this is kind of what we ended up with, because I, I mean, I was just so clueless to begin with. I, I had no real um, aspirations with the blog other than just to have it be like a fun hobby and a way to share recipes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's cool because I think that's the right way to start because I, I hear it from entrepreneurs that are very successful is that, you know, they would be happy to do what they do for free almost. So it sounds like that's how you started out. You know, it was just, it was just a hobby. It wasn't about you know, when can I start to make some money with this thing? And a lot of people lose lose sight of that, I think. Yeah, it's been, it's, I am really thankful that that's how it started out because I always feel bad, you know, when people email and they'll say, well, I just, I'm starting the blog and I've been doing it for three months and I'm not making any money yet. And part of the, part of the thing about, you know, building a successful blog is that you would do it for free. That's how much you love it and you want to work on it all the time. And so to have that start out for us without any expectation of money or anything like that um, was a really, was just a really good way to start. So you started in 2010, and at what point did you think that maybe this is going to be more than just a hobby? Um, I think when um – I mean, I don't even, I don't know when Bjork started to do the income reports and he, we had talked to some friends who were also food bloggers, um, Alex and Sonia of a couple cooks, um, blog, and they were just experimenting with ads and we were talking a little bit with them about it. And I remember Bjork kind of thinking, maybe we should, you know, try making money and maybe we should talk about it on the blog. And I was kind of like, you know, what, whatever, I don't know, you can do whatever you want. Cause at that time we were making like $15 a month or something. Um, and so I think when the blog started to make um, as much money as I was making from my day job, which is um, a teacher, I think that's kind of when we started to say like, okay, this could really be, a, I don't know, this could really be a, a something that could either replace my job or it could just basically turn into something more than um, what we were really thinking. And I guess all along, that's kind of how it is because, you know, you get to $25 and then you think, gosh, that now we can get to a hundred and then you get to a hundred and you think now I can get to 500. And, um, and so I think every landmark you get to, you kind of realize it's just very scalable because there's just a lot of potential for growth. 
So, at what year was it, or do you remember the month and year when when you your your, your pinch of yum uh, generated the same amount of revenue as what your day job did? I think it was last year, um, around the probably around December or January of of last year. So, like January two thousand thirteen, and we were in the Philippines at the time, um, and and living and working there, and so um, it was really a surprise to us that the blog was continuing to grow. And I don't know why we were ex- not expecting that, but um, we, we kind of had questions about, you know, is the blog just going to die when we go abroad? And is it going to, um, you know, we're not going to have the right ingredients or I'm not, not going to be able to connect to internet or whatever. Um, but it was actually able to continue to grow. And that was, so that would have been about a little more than a year ago. I think that it, the income started to kind of surpass um, that my day job. So. so, so give us an idea of the frequency of your post and also the depth of your post. Do you, what is your strategy and what is your philosophy on that? Well, when I first started out, I posted um, just whenever I felt like it. So it was just a hobby. I had no concept of it as a business. And so I would just post. Sometimes it would be as much as like just twice, a, like as little as twice a month or, you know, not very often, just whenever I felt like I had something worthwhile to share. And then as I started to get more uh, traffic and as we started to kind of, I think traffic was really the, the first thing that started to push me into wanting to, to do more because the more I did, then the more opportunity I had for getting traffic. And that was kind of just fun to me and motivating. And so um, at, there was one point where I was posting every day and of posting a recipe every day. And I mean, in terms of depth, there I, to me there are like different levels of recipe depth so you could do one picture and a recipe or you could do a bunch of pictures and a recipe or you can do an easy recipe or a more complicated recipe i mean it would be fairly easy to post like five smoothie recipes every week because smoothies take like 5 minutes to make and so so i tried to do at that point i tried to do maybe like one or two more complicated recipes and then kind of just um like recipes that were enough to keep posts coming but i eventually got to the point with that where i was still teaching and um, still am teaching, but was at that point with five posts a week, it just was too much. And so I eventually settled on three posts a week. And that's kind of what I'm trying to stick to for now. So three posts a week with hopefully at least two of them being really like solid, um, not necessarily complicated, but like a really valuable recipe, like a family meal or not just not just like a cookie or not that cookies aren't great, but um, I think it's more valuable to people to have I love like, cookies. Yeah, I know. I know. And actually, I get I shouldn't say that because I get a lot of you know interaction from that. But it's just it's a lot easier to post recipes that are easier. And so to just I try to challenge myself to to make it valuable for the for the reader and not just go with whatever's the easiest. So let's talk about traffic. Do you remember how your traffic grew uh, or when you even I would imagine maybe in the beginning you didn't even care about that. But uh, there must have been a point when you said, wow, you know, there are people that are actually coming to my blog. Yeah, that um, I I had no concept of traffic like at the at the beginning. And then I remember when I remember Bjork set up, you know, our Google Analytics and, and showed it to me. And I was like, oh, wow, look, this post is really popular because I've had 20 people on this post or something like that. You know, I was have it was just fun, even though the numbers were so teeny tiny, I would get like 50 people and I would just be over the moon so excited. Um, but I remember that traffic started to really grow. We kind of had a tipping point. Um, 
I think it was in my second, like kind of at the beginning of the second year of the blog. And it was um, a, a Pinterest user at the time. She was the most, one of the most followed users on Pinterest, um, most followed accounts. And it was Jane Wang, who is the founder's mother. And so she was like a recommended follow for people when they would sign up on Pinterest. And she reposted one of my recipes and so if you look at like the the graph of our traffic, it's like low, 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 low. And then this one really high day from that pin that she shared. And then it dips back down. But after that, everything is just kind of shifted up a notch. And we've found that with traffic, it really kind of goes in, in like it'll go up a little bit and then it'll kind of plateau and then up to a new level and plateau and then up to a new level. So it almost looks like a staircase versus like a constant line going up. Um, and so that's always kind of fun. And who knows, you know, what the different things are that boost it up to the next level. But I think something like with that Pinterest share, that was a big um, tipping point for us to kind of get into the next level of traffic. So do you remember that number approximately, that, that big first boost almost two years into um, blogging? You know, honestly, I'm embarrassed. I don't even remember. But I do remember that about that time, I was pretty excited because I would share um, I would share stuff on um, food gawker and taste body and kind of like some of these food sharing sites. And I remember watching my traffic and it would be like, you know, 300 and then to 500. And then w one day when I hit a thousand, it was just like, oh my gosh, I had a thousand people. And that was probably in the second year that I was getting about that kind of traffic. Mm -hmm. um, the funny thing about the Pinterest thing is that we actually didn't even know that that happened until almost a year later because um, we we just weren't I don't know if we weren't checking or what. It just really wasn't like on our radar, radar really. And so what ended up happening was when Bjork started doing the income reports, he put a little graph of the traffic on there and, and somebody commented and asked, what is that spike from? And I remember both of us being like, I don't know. And so he went back and looked through, you know, the really old analytics and was able to figure out that that came from this you know, really popular user on Pinterest. So we didn't even know when it actually happened. We didn't even know until a year later, which is funny. Yeah. You know, I hear this a lot from, from people that actually succeed with blogging is that they don't really pay that much attention to traffic. They just enjoy what they do. And then about two years into it, something happens, you know. Yeah. And just like you said, you know, uh, we had a little bit of a jump and then another one and another one. And it just gradually climbs up in, in you know, in traffic. Can you talk about how, if you if you had a strategy, you know, in terms of promoting the blog to get more people to the site, to to you know, to get traffic, basically? Because I mean, you know, it's one thing to have great content, but then how, how do I get people to actually get to my blog? What what were the things that you and uh, Bjork did? Well, one thing that I think was a major uh, player for us. Um, this would be food specific, but there were a lot of um, food sharing websites. This is kind of like pre-Pinterest or very early Pinterest um, where uh, people would, bloggers would submit their recipes and photos to these uh, websites that would kind of just um, curate all the all the best food from around the web. So one of them was Food Gawker, one of them is Taste Spotting, um, and there's another um, kind of like an offshoot of the Pioneer Woman um, blog called The Tasty Kitchen. 
And um, she, so they would often like you would submit your recipe, and if you if they liked it, they would feature you on their homepage, and stuff like that would be huge for us. I mean, not that we would get like a ton of traffic, but I think just getting in front of those foodie eyeballs and kind of like getting your stuff out there in front of the right people. Um, and I would imagine that the same is true with just about any niche that you are in where you can um, find kind of little pockets of those communities where the sharing is encouraged and where, you know, people want to put that kind of content on display and then people can, um, you know, find you basically. And, and I think what's great about that is that you could be the most, um, you know, unknown blogger out there and have a no name blog and be totally new. Um, but if your content is awesome, you're going to be on their headlines because, you know, the, people will like it and people will want to see it. And so that's what's great about those is I feel like it evens the playing field and it makes um, it makes it more about content and less about like your name as a blogger. And those were really big, I think, for Pinch of Yum starting out. I mean, that was like a huge, constantly my top traffic source, probably during the second year, um, it was just consistently my top um, second and third traffic sources would be um, food gawker and taste spotting. And then obviously because of that, then that builds and then, um, you know, other website, other bigger websites pick you up. So I've, I've been featured on some recipes on BuzzFeed or on Huffington Post or, um, you know, obviously bigger websites that then it just continues to build from there um, once people find you. So how does uh, Huffington Post pick up your content? Is it something that you have to network your way into it? Or, you know, how, how do you get picked up by someone like that? So in the case of at least for recipes and for me, I'll just get an email um, from somebody who says, hey, I'm looking, I'm doing a a post on, let's say, um, like 20 minute dinners or something like that. And I found your recipe for this pasta and we want to share it. And they're basically just asking for permission to use your photo, at least, you know, with the recipe, because they want the photo along with it. And they don't actually share. It's not like um, syndicated where they, you know, put it on their actual site. But um, but it's basically like a, a kind of like a article, a listicle, if you will, that they do. And then that links out to you. And none of that came from like any kind of personal connection, although I don't know, maybe there's conversations happening behind the scenes and somebody's heard of your blog and they share it or something. But I think what happens is they probably just end up Googling, you know, they are probably just looking to curate a bunch of information, a bunch of recipe ideas, and they just are looking either they're looking through Google images or Pinterest or they're just looking through Google search results. And if you're showing up near the top, um, then you're probably more likely to to get mentioned in something like that. So how much of your success do you think has to do with the quality of the content that you're producing on your site? I think um, quality is really important. And I say that knowing that like not I don't want to say like, oh, my recipe quality is the best or my writing is the best. Not at all, because there are so many really talented um, bloggers out there with incredible content that don't, you know, don't get discovered or don't have like a big quote unquote big name kind of a thing. But I do think that you, it's impossible to grow a blog without, without strong content. You know, people have to feel like it's worth it for them to come. Otherwise, why would they come? Never going to be able to grow, grow your traffic or, you know, in turn develop an income if you don't have consistent good um, quality for people to, to use basically and to find valuable.
You uh, you mentioned uh, several times the income reports. Um, can you talk about that? Um, is that for Pinch of Yum or is it for Food Blogger Pro? And we'll talk a little bit about Food Blogger Pro in a, in a, uh, shortly, but I just wanted to bring that up because I heard it several times. Yeah, so the income reports are something that Bjork, um, it was kind of Bjork's brainchild. And when we were thinking about monetizing the site, um, and I was, I kind of said, like, look, I don't know anything about this. I'm not that interested in it. But, um, but you know, if you want to try it, go ahead. And so he um, followed a few bloggers that did income reports. So basically what it is, is at the end of every month, we'll post uh, a kind of like a recap of the money we've earned for that month from the blog, and then um, kind of detailing where each of those streams of income is coming from. And then also, at least in ours, like Bjork will write up a little post about maybe a tips and takeaways for the month or this last month he um, he interviewed another blogger who um, has a really good um, great ebook on ads and so anyways it's just a kind of a way to to help other food bloggers out and and to share like what we've learned and what's worked for us and hasn't and a big part of the decision to do that was that um, when we were looking to to see if we could make money from Pinch of Yum, Bjork, um, I think in some of his reading, found something that said it's virtually impossible to make money from a food blog. And I think, you know, there's a part of you that kind of rebels and says, oh, yeah, you know, we can do it. Watch, watch <laughs> this. We're going to do it. So um, I think that was kind of part of the um, part of the initial inspiration. There just isn't that much out there that shows people how they can make money from a food blog. So, um, so, so you're yeah. four years, you're, you and Bjork are four years into um, uh, this business. So where is your revenue right now? Can you share that? Yeah, um, the funny thing is I don't even know. I might have to go check. But I think like one of the last two months we were at 17000 um, and that was after uh, taking out our expenses. So um, so 17000 And that was I think that was a might have been a new high. Um, and that's per month, 17000 yeah, per month? Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yep. And and so, are you still teaching? Though I I, I thought maybe I read something on your uh, on your site that you're still teaching. Is that true? I am still teaching. I'm actually teaching part time. So um, my job right now, my hours is are a little shorter, um, which is nice. But still, um, you know, the balance is kind of constantly <laughs> um, a challenge. So you but must love teaching too. I do. I really love it. And that's kind of the hard thing is it's just hard to let go of work that I enjoy and I feel like is meaningful. And then also kind of like this, this entrepreneurial offshoot kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. It's we'll see what happens in the future. It's a but, good problem um, to have, right? It is. I'm really thankful. It's a good problem to have. You know, back to the revenue, can you give us an idea of your revenue breakdown? Like, you know, where does the revenue come from? Just so so we know how how you monetize your business. Yeah, yep. So the big three would be the um, ads on the site. And then those are just like sidebar ads. But like AdSense or direct advertising? Yep, there's AdSense. It's all ad networks. So AdSense and like BlogHer, we use BlogHer. Um, and there have been a Bjork's been experimenting a little bit. I think right now we're also using Sovereign, um, but we've kind of been going back and forth on trying some new um, ones. You know, you're always trying to look for what's going to have the highest fill rate and kind of pay the best. And so um, that's kind of a constant, like a moving target, something we're always trying to keep at its best. So the ads, ad networks, and then um, this, the another big piece of the pie would be um, product sales. And so 
in the income reports, we don't include any income from Food Blogger Pro, but we do include book sales and things like that from from Pinch of Yum. So like my um, ebook Tasty Food Photography would be included in that. And then I have um, a couple, two now e-cookbooks that we're selling on the site. So that's another big chunk of the of the pie. And then the third, I think like the third big piece would be affiliate marketing. So we help other people get started with their own blog by recommending, you know, hosting and recommending themes and um, cameras and kind of what they what we recommend to get started. And then we we get a a portion of that through the affiliate program. So, yeah. So uh, let's talk about uh, Food Blogger Pro. Tell me why uh, and when you uh, decided to start it. We had talked about it. um, I think it was probably. And what is it actually? I know what it is, but our audience. uh, Maybe I'm sorry, but if you could like in one or two sentences say what Food Blogger Pro is. Yep, Food Blogger Pro is a membership website that um, provides training resources for new food bloggers. So people can pay a monthly fee to have access to like over 250 training videos on anything from monetizing your blog um, to photography to, um, you know, I don't know, AdSense or the different, all the different elements that it takes to run a blog. And then there's a community forum and kind of like a community element to that as well. So we built that website um, when actually we built it when we were in the Philippines, but the idea for it came probably a year before that. And we kind of had been stewing on this idea for a while. And I think being in the Philippines was both a good time to, to make it happen and also a bad time, but, um, but good in that, like we were, our social life was completely different. We were really busy, but like we also had quite a bit of downtime just because we didn't have as many friends and didn't obviously didn't have as many family things going on. Um, And so basically all our downtime kind of for three or four months of the year was just spent um, recording those videos and, um, and making that happen. And Bjork continues to, um, you know, periodically add new courses. So that's a big part of what he spends his days doing is creating new content um, for that website. Okay. Now, uh, you, when you look at the site, it says you have 424 bloggers that are already learning with Food Blogger Pro. So does it mean, and this is a paid site, so does it mean that they all are pay, paying uh, members at this point? Yep, but they're all paying at different levels. So we now have it where you it's $1 for your first month sign up, and then um, after that it's $25 a month. But we also offered, when we launched the site uh, last, no, it was like almost, it was like two years ago, um, or we're coming up on two years, I guess I should say, um, we offered a like a early bird price kind of thing, like a pre-sale for um, for people that wanted to sign up, so they could get you know let's say like a year membership for eighty nine dollars or something like that. Um, and so it was pretty deeply discounted, and we did it just for a couple of days. And then for anybody that signed up under that um, discount, we we extended that to them this year around. And I don't know what the number is. I want to say it's like we have two maybe two hundred. So roughly half of the people are um, are like month to month paying members, and then the other half have bought through a pre-sale or through some other um, you know some kind of sale purchase price. And so, how difficult was it to get hundreds of people to say, "Yeah, I want to try Food Blogger Pro"? What kind of marketing did go into it? 
Well, we honestly, we've been, that's something we talk about a lot and just, you know, there are only so many hours in the day, but we, um, we've really not done hardly any marketing for Food Blogger Pro. And part of that's because we have a platform already, um, with Pinch of Yum and we have the income reports that had already been going on for a year and a half at that point. And so to be able to say, Hey, here's further learning. If you want it, it was a pretty easy sell to that specific audience, um, where it felt like a natural tie-in and it felt like something that would add value for people. Um, but we really have not done a huge anything huge in terms of marketing, and that's I, and I don't say that in a good way. Like we would really like to do more of that, um, but there's just we just haven't caught up with ourselves yet and getting getting that marketed better. So we do have an affiliate program, which is nice because a lot of times bloggers will sign up and then they'll share about it on their blog or they'll, you know, become an affiliate, which is a big, um, a big part of that. But um, but yeah, that's something that we'd really like to do more of um, in the future, I think. Can you talk about some of the challenges of building a membership site to keep, you know, to want to people want to keep people you know come back to your site and just in general i mean it's it's different than selling something once and then thank you very much but this this way you have to justify kind of uh that membership uh fee that those 200 or so members currently are paying for, uh, are there any challenges have you had any challenges with that or uh sorry can you say that again challenges with specifically with yeah just basically building and running and maintaining a membership site. Yeah. Be yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um I think I mean Bjork really is the for me I'm primarily pinch of yum and he's primarily food blogger pro so um he might he would be able to answer that question better. However, I will say um you know it's it's challenging because you want to keep the site even though it's a membership site um or maybe because it's a membership site you want to you want to keep the content fresh and you want to keep new stuff coming out, like you said, so people have a reason to stick around um, and it's not, it doesn't feel like just a waste of money to people. So one of the things we've, um, that's, that we hope to add more of is um, kind of like permanent tools that people can use. So maybe they wouldn't just be paying for um, the, the video content, but also they'd be paying to have access to um, certain tools that would help them, you know, in certain areas of blogging. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of challenges and even just like, you know, you have to, you have a forum, so then you have to respond to questions on the forum. And I think for Bjork, I would say that's a big, a pretty big chunk of his time is spent, you know, responding to people, um, kind of like dealing with individual um, customer issues, whether it be personal questions about their blog or payment things, um, because that's kind of the nature of the membership site is that you you're dealing with people on a more one on one, you know, kind of personalized basis. So so you managed to stand out in a very crowded place. Right. And and a lot of us would want to want to be able to do that. So what advice do you have for others? And I, I don't necessarily mean just in the food, uh, you know, blogging area, but in, in general, because everything is going to be very competitive today. So what advice do you have for for our audience to that that would help them stand out in, in a crowded place? 
One thing that I always say um, when people ask me any kind of question like this, um, and it's specific to, it's not specific to food. I mean, it definitely applies to food, but it applies to really anything. Um, I just really believe in the power of um, like graphics and images and anything that you can do to attach visuals to your content. I just think it's so important in a world where people want to share things and people want to um, be able to look at something and quickly understand it versus spending a ton of time or maybe just before they spend a ton of time with the content, they need to get a clear picture of what that would be. And for me, like that's photos of my recipes. And so making sure that I'm trying to take the best photos possible um, that are shareable, that are pinnable, um, that people want to want to share with people um, and kind of like they it, it's a good representation of themselves that they would want to put out there to the world. I think there there has to be you have to have some kind of visual element to your content whether that be, I mean, I think there are some really great infographics out there or um, we, we know a couple that does a like a finance blog and the guy, um, the husband wrote this post about, I think it was like saving for your dream home. And um, his wife said, what are you, you know, you got to get a little picture in there. And so it wasn't, the post hadn't been getting that much attention, but she made this little, um, I don't know what she used if she just made something in Photoshop that was just a little um, visual image with some text on it that said saving for your dream home. And just like that, it went viral on Pinterest. And so um, to be able to have some kind of um, vis- powerful visuals to attach to your content, I think is a really, really key. So, so far, it sounds like everything has been, you know, going really perfectly, but I'm sure there have been some challenges. Can you talk about maybe a a mistake that you made in business or one of the biggest mistakes that was a good learning experience for you? Um, one of the things that I think we wish that we would have done, maybe done sooner is to start to develop like an email list and to start to, um, kind of gather those people that want to be, um, you know, reached via email and, and beyond just subscription, but just, um, people that would sign up for an email list, email newsletter, that kind of a thing. Um, we really didn't, I mean, we didn't have any of that because when you're first starting, it seems like weird. Nobody really wants that. And so you never really think about it, but then you just get going and, um, it's easy to not think ahead in that way, but I just feel like we would have, if we could have early on offered some kind of um, freebie or incentive for people to sign up for um, the email list, then we would have gathered a huge email list now, you know, that would be people that are wanting to hear from Pinch of Yum and wanting to know what's new and wanting the latest on the products and stuff like that. So um, I think that's something that I wish, I think both of Bjork and I wish we would have maybe started that sooner. How many people are on your email list right now, approximately? This is embarrassing because I don't even know. I I honestly (laughs) don't even know. I'm like, some of the number stuff people ask me and I'm like, that is in my husband's brain. That is not in my brain. So I'm sorry. I don't even feel like I could give you a good guess. I don't okay. know. But I know it's not. It's nothing amazing. It's not that great. So, yeah. You know, it's funny that with all the social media uh, in the world, I, I still hear that email is pretty much the most effective way of, of staying in touch with your, your, your following. Right. And we know some bloggers um, that that have done been really successful with their email list and um it makes a huge difference you know they release products and they send stuff out to people and um and people it, it comes right into their inbox and so you know just the chance that it has to be seen and read um is really high so um 
How do you deal with the ups and downs? I'm sure there are some, even though it sounds like you know things are going really well for you, but uh, I'm sure there are some challenges. Uh, how do you and Bjork deal with the ups and downs of the roller coaster ride of being an entrepreneur? I think um, for me personally, I just try to. I'm, I'm constantly trying to redefine or like. Um, I don't know, just bring to the forefront of my mind what my idea of success is. And so, you know, I mean, at this point, I can say, you know, okay, I'm, this is something that I'm doing. Like it could be a sustainable business, um, you know, where I could, I could leave my job if I wanted to. And, um, and you start, you can start to feel like I'm not as good as so-and-so or, you know, my, oh, I just put out three posts this week and none of them are that great. And I think to redefine success and kind of like think about, um, think about it in the big picture and think about the journey too. Um, it's not like getting to a certain point, but it's, I mean, it sounds really cheesy. It's really cliche, but really it, it's really about the process of doing it. And that's why we do it is not to get somewhere, but because we love doing it. And so like we just talked to um, somebody else who did another podcast interview where the guy was talking about um, he, he himself had built a business and sold it. And I mean, made a load of money from, from this business being acquired and then like didn't have anything to do and like became depressed because he was done working on it. And so just, I think remembering that like the joy isn't in necessarily the, some kind of a great end product, but to remind myself that it's this right now, this is what I'm doing it for is because I love doing the work. Um, you know, I know we went over the 30 minutes. I have a couple of more questions. Is this okay? Or, yeah, yep. Okay. Uh, what do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs, especially the first couple of years in business? Um, you guys managed to, to be really successful, but it's it's pretty much uh, the two of you. Or it, has, it has been the two of you in the beginning, I'm sure. So what do you think is a big, big waste of time for entrepreneurs? Well, I mean, my opinion is going to be kind of slanted to my own, you know, leanings and tendencies. But um, I feel like um, a lot of entrepreneurs, at least in the circles that I see, are, you know, are really all about social media and like spending a lot of time on social media. And definitely, you cannot underestimate the power of social media. But I also think that it can quickly become like just a time suck. There are so many different um, channels and there are so many different people to follow. And it can become the kind of thing that actually maybe hinders you not even in the time wasting, um, but above and beyond that just because you you're looking at other people's content and sometimes that's inspiring and sometimes it's just you're like ah I'm not as good as these people or you know I'm not I got to get stuff out there and so I think just really um just really trying to be kind of like frugal with or lean with your social media time and getting your channels um set up and getting like all your accounts your handles saved and everything like that um but um but just maintaining it and maybe not necessarily I don't know just maybe that's just my opinion I guess I have no like real research backing in business or whatever to support that but I just know for me personally it's easy for me to spend a lot of time on quote unquote working on social media or it was in the beginning. And, um, I just don't think that's, that's the ticket for like big blog growth. 
Oh wow! If if someone came up to maybe somebody from a family or, or a good friend and had a job now, but say you know I really want to be an entrepreneur, I see your success. What would be the first thing you would teach that person about being an entrepreneur, or that would help them to succeed? Um, I think I would probably encourage people to. I mean, it's hard because a lot of people want to start the blog because of the allure of like the possibility of making money from it. But as much as possible, I think I would encourage people to um, to plan to do it for free at the beat. I mean, just you just have to plan to like you're just going to do it for free. You're going to pick something you love. You're going to have a great time with it. And I think like when you when that's your approach and when you don't I mean, blogs don't, it's not normal for a blog to grow overnight, you know, into a, into a full-time job or even within a year. I mean, really, I think people will email me and they'll say, oh, I just started uh, three months ago. Um, you know, why am I not making any money or what, what am I doing wrong? And it just takes time. So you have to be willing to be able to do it for free and just for the joy of doing it in order to really get some growth with it. And is there a book that you found that was helpful for your business? Regardless, it could be about blogging, it could be about photography, it could be about anything that, that helped you with, uh, with uh, Pinch of Yum. Yeah, um, I recently listened to uh, the book Tribes by Seth Godin. And um, that was a really good, inspiring book um, for me, just in terms of like creating online communities, uh, not even online, just creating communities um, and kind of leading communities and being, um, I don't know, developing those groups of people who are passionate about something. So I thought that was a powerful book. And then also for anybody who who's kind of a creative, um, I really like the book Steal Like an Artist, which is by Austin Kleon. And that is, um, it's kind of a fun book to read just because it's like a, it's almost like a little flip book. Like it reads pretty easily. You just flip through and there's a lot of like little graphics and stuff. Um, but it's just, it's just spot on in talking to um, creatives about like how to overcome, um, you know, your self-doubt or how to, um, I don't know, how to push past kind of some of those creative, creative barriers or blocks. So those are two good books that I like. Lindsay, thank you very much for sharing your story. How can people connect with you to find out more about any of your businesses or, or just to connect with you? Yeah, well, um, so um, pinchofyum.com is the name of the or the URL of the blog. And then um, we have a social media for Pinch of Yum on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest. And on the um, you know account name for all those is Pinch of Yum. And then also foodbloggerpro.com is the website that we talked about, the membership website. And then we also have um, social media accounts for those on Twitter and Facebook. So everyone out there, check out pinchofyum.com and foodbloggerpro.com. Lindsay, uh, wish you much luck, you and, you and Bjork, and thank you very much for coming on, and hopefully we can do this in a year and then see how your business is growing. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Thank you so much, George. Thank you.